and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we explore our year in the national parks, our international travel experiences, and our love of everything budget travel. We are Cole and Elizabeth Donaldson, a regular Midwest couple who quit our jobs and set off on a year-long adventure to all 59 U.S. national parks in 2016. That set off our travel addiction, and since then, we've visited over 50 countries. We've made travel a priority without breaking the bank, and we're here to share that with you. So, everybody, welcome back to Season 2 of Switchbacks Podcast, again, focusing on international travel and parks. I hope you caught our second episode of the season that was a little different than our usual trip profiles and travel topics. Um, And it was, I I really loved just listening back to that conversation again from all our old travel buddies and uh, in Africa. So if you didn't hear it, listen to their stories and why they all love international travel. It was great perspectives. But today we have something also a little different in our third episode, episode number 58. Uh, We are going to hear from you, our listeners, with a lot of great questions. We've gotten a bunch of questions since we took off for our three-month trip, uh, and we wanted to combine all those into one episode. So it really ranges from specific destinations to broad budget questions Uh, and we loved every one of them. So if you're out there uh, and have a question of your own about anything, feel free, again, to just let us know. Shoot us a message. Leave us a voicemail is even better, and maybe you'll make it on the next. Yeah, we're not that popular, so you probably will. (laughs) That's true. It probably won't get lost in the mail. (laughs) Let's be real. Yeah, I'm excited for this uh, kind of hodgepodge of a podcast, but it's... Yeah, it's a big um, smorgasbord in uh, <laughs> in Thanksgiving well, terms. How do you say that? Smorgasbord. I think that's too many <laughs> in there. But yeah, let's get started. First, you had something oh, yeah, before to we chat kick about. Out, yeah, before we kick off the questions, we wanted to talk a little bit about gifts and presents and... It is the season. How much... How terrible gifts and presents are. <laughs> now, come on. You're not going to tell me you don't love getting gifts and presents. I kind of don't. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of the worst. Not my experience, everybody. Yeah. Not my experience. No. Getting gifts is great. I love the thought that goes into it. I love buying gifts for people. I love putting thought into it. Um, Which is great because I hate doing all that stuff. I and just... she does all of our gift shopping. I'm just really not feeling it this year. And I think part of it has to do with just moving in the last couple months and like schlepping stuff around and just being surrounded by like stuff, 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 stuff. It's like I don't, it's not like we haven't been consumers (laughs) lately. Like we've been buying lots of stuff for our house, lots of stuff for ourselves. We bought a, a robot vacuum even, the big Black Friday thing this year. Um, we so we're definitely not like we're not anti-consumeristic <laughs> that is for sure we're not just but check our amazon cart and as, you'll see we'd be hypocritical on that one yeah as i'm thinking about gift giving this season i think i'm gonna go about it differently so in the last couple of years we have been leaning more towards like experience-based gifts um but i wanted to share some ideas i had today because i really want to make it a priority this year and more than I have in the past. I've kind of leaned into that a little bit previously, um, but this year I want to really hit it hard. Yeah, and I uh, I mean, I am totally on board with that because like you've said, the gifts, as we're going through all of this stuff for the house or whatever we need to purchase, and even just things that we want personally, it's so tough to say, oh, uh, can you, I found this thing that I really want online. Can I just send you this link and you purchase it? <laughs> and I know exact exactly. Kind. Yeah. For exa- it's like, I'd rather just buy that stuff for myself and yeah. spend time with people that I love, like doing something. Right. 
Right. That's like the whole purpose. I don't want stuff. That's the thing. And then, then to if turn I, that around. If I want stuff, I, I know exactly what exactly. I want. Exactly. And, and you know you're not going to waste it. You know, like, if I want a necklace, this is the exact necklace I want. And it's so hard for somebody else to know that. I mean, we can't mm-hmm. expect somebody to have our own exact preferences and know exactly what we want. I mean, some people are definitely good at intuiting gifts. Our, you know, I think both of our moms are great gift givers. Yeah, but, they are. But um, from my, even from my business and economics <laughs> mindset that I've been so steeped in now, it's just inefficient. For somebody else to be buying you a gift that you may, even if you want it most of the time, sometimes it's not exactly what you want. It's not exactly what's most useful and for you. And then there's like the emotional obligation of like keeping it around in your house just because someone gave it to you. It's just a big mess. That's true. So, yeah, you're much less le- likely to get rid of something. And then the reverse of that too, like giving a gift that you know might someone might be holding on to out of obligation <laughs> because you gave it to them, like knowing that it might not be perfect. So anyway... Here are a few ideas. I'm, I'm making a list for myself, but I thought I'd share it because I think it's pretty good. So my number one thing to ever give people that's experience-based is tickets because it's not like, it's like t- it's somewhat tangible. So you're saying on the, here's a date and a time and an event that you get to go to. So And I've concert, thought about this and I know you would like it. And yeah, it's still a lot of thought behind it. Or a play it. or a musical or a comedy show or some, something fun like that that... That's all, almost always enjoyable entertainment. Sporting event. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Other things like massages and yoga classes and like experience-based gift cards like to a special restaurant or even to a movie. We've gotten people Groupons before. Uh, Groupons are kind of iffy. I've had some yeah. bad experiences with massages, especially on Groupon. <laughs> Um, That's probably from me. <laughs> I was on a kick where I would get you memberships groupons. to the zoo or to um, like the botanical gardens or to a museum in your in someone's town. Our friends told us how one of their favorite gifts they ever got their niece, it happened to be, mm-hmm. was adopting a zoo animal here at the St. Louis on my Zoo. List. Oh, so I'm jumping ahead. No, you're good. Go for it. And, and basically, it's this specific animal that they sponsored for the whole year. Yeah, it's a way to in, to just to have more of an experience than a thing, uh, especially for a kid who they have a lot of stuff anyway. Um, my favorite one, the America the Beautiful Pass for the national parks. $80 gets you into every national park for a year. Um, that's a good one to give, too. Or a state park pass if you, you know, if you are... If you don't live in Missouri, where all the state parks are free... Um, First of all, you're a loser, because everybody cool is in Missouri. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> I d- disagree. <laughs> um, but something like that. So, yeah, memberships, subscription sort of things. Something that gets you out of the house is good. Um, even as something as simple as asking someone to come to dinner with you and pay for it. Like, it's that easy. It doesn't have to be really complicated, I don't think. Um, I also love consumables, so like making food. That's also a little bit of a gift of time. My grandma really loves flowers. I bring her flowers whenever I go visit her. She really appreciates that. I love flowers. Hint. Hint. <laughs> um, uh, I buy taken. them. I buy them for myself. Spices. Now, I, one one food, thing I will. Something s- you can use up. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will caution people about giving kind of any type of experience gift that isn't attached like a ticket to a specific date. Maybe it's you're going to take somebody out to a dinner or a movie or you're promising to cook them meals. Um, make sure you remember because it's your obligation as the gift giver to follow through on that. And I have not been the best at the, that's that why that I love tickets. That's why I love something that's somewhat tangible, like a gift card or a ticket, yeah. because that's the gift. If you if it doesn't work out, like sometimes it's just hard to give your gift of time. Like sometimes it's hard to coordinate. So it's it's just having that tangible thing is is really beneficial. Because Cole's given me a number of <laughs> promised uh, massages and like DIY stuff that just I wouldn't I wouldn't. Uh, recommend <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe the thought is there or maybe it's just that maybe I, the laziness maybe is there. The, that's probably yeah. mostly it but yeah last christmas i gave you a meat thermometer so that was just like the token gift and the real gift was cooking 
<laughs> I put six to 12 meals <laughs> because I, I was just straight with her. If, if I'm really feeling good about it, I'll, I'll be able to do 12, but I'm not going to overcommit here. It's <laughs> the worst gift ever. <laughs> it was. Like, you didn't cook once, did you? I mean, I've been kind of on a roll lately. I know. Now you cook. I know Christmas is coming up, so now I gotta. You cook. I gotta get in my meals, at least six. <laughs> <laughs> but I've still never used that meat thermometer. You did make really good pasta dinner tonight. Thank you, darling. Okay, so let's get on to the show, the real show. Now that we've talked about gifts, and I'm hungry. Yeah, we have ten questions. Ten questions. Uh, so the first one here is a really good one. The topic is paying off debt. Or taking a trip so this person has some debt that they need to pay eventually but they also have you know presumably this chunk of money they could either pay the debt or use it to take one of their dream drip trips and they asked us about that let's listen to Leslie here on voicemail hi my name is Leslie I'm from Tennessee I just wanted to say that your podcast is awesome I listen to it on the way to and from work I have a really stressful job and it helps me relax so my second part of this voicemail is just getting your input on a crazy idea I had. I was thinking of paying off some debts ahead of time. I had this crazy elaborate plan where I could pay them off completely, really quickly, and it would just you know, be some financial freedom after that. But then I thought, as far as time, um, I might be passing up a really cool opportunity where me and my husband could have a couple of weeks of just time together to do whatever we wanted travel-wise, um, and I don't know when we'll get that opportunity again because then he will be graduating from school and starting a full-time job. So part of me says that we should delay paying off, paying ahead on the debts and just go have fun. Um, so let me know what you think, and I'm excited to hear. I really like that question mm-hmm. because it's all about trade-offs do you have you know in almost every scenario we would say you need to be responsible with your finances Uh, paying off your debt is so important it has been for us Uh, but it is tough when you think about you have so few opportunities in your life where you have a chance a chance uh, of time Mm-hmm. and f- t- freedom as far as time to go and take the trip of a lifetime. Um, so I can really see an argument both ways. Uh, and I'll just say for us, um, it, we paid off all of our school loans as quick as possible after uh, we graduated from undergrad at Mizzou. And that was uh, really important to us, and it was also really helpful because then when we got this crazy idea to go to all 59 national parks in one year and quit our jobs and just live um, on the road, we could do that. So we had that freedom, and I think almost all the times that is the right answer. Um, But there are definitely a lot of factors that you have to think through uh, and that could, you know, change your calculus. There's the interest rate of the debt. There's your husband's future earning, or it, her husband in this case, or it, both people in the relationship, whoever it is, your earning potential in, in the future, and then how secure your income will be uh, when you return, if you do take the trip, and, I mean, your interest in working longer in life and postponing retirement. Like if you are in jobs you love, maybe you are planning to you know, work for a long time and you could uh, take the trip now. Um, also, whether you can continue to do these things you enjoy in later in life. Like if it's your dream is to go on a 100 uh, mile backpacking trip, that might be a lot harder to do when you retire. So there's lots of different things that can weigh into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, and there, where there's probably not a right answer. I, you know, I think we lean a certain way, like YOLO sort of direction a lot of times, but also, it, I mean, it's really important that we have a good, you know, financial mindset on our shoulders. That's not really the phrase, but it's okay. <laughs> um, 
I like to think of time, though, as an actual asset, like a financial asset that you have, um, because it, it is so important. And it's it's for us, it's the make it or break it, you know, uh, deciding factor in whether or not we can travel. Do we have the time? Because we can always make the finances work. There are always ways to spend less money on your trips. There are always ways to earn money and you have the rest of your life to earn money. Now, I say that with like a word of caution because I do think it's really important to be responsible and make sure you're setting yourself up for success. Yeah. I think the I think you can't get back those those uh that time. And what I uh, challenged Leslie to do when I responded to her through email is is to consider how you can do both pay down your debt and take the trip. Like Elizabeth's been saying, there are ways to get creative about making the finances work. For instance, um, make the trip cheaper. A trip to Southeast Asia can be dirt cheap. You use credit credit card hacks uh, to get those bonus points for free flights. And then once you're there, super cheap uh, cost of living. There's also HelpX and Woofing that are websites where people pay your room and board if you work for them, uh, and that's usually longer trips. But um, you can also cut your expenses until the trip. You can do side hustles before the trip and scrounge together an extra pool of money that's just for your trip purposes. Um, So uh, like we said, a lot of things, it's all going to be dependent on your specific scenario. And I would really caution people to think, you know, yes, YOLO, and yes, appreciate the time that you have and how fleeting it can be. But we definitely, when we took a whole year off, we made a sacrifice of our, you know, basically our retirement. We were not investing in our retirement for that year. And with that compound interest that you get through the stock market, uh, in 40 years when we retire, hopefully a lot less than that, um, <laughs> that is a big opportunity cost is what I'm trying to get down to. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're understanding uh, the long-term effects too. Super good question mm-hmm. and a super long, detailed answer. Yeah. Um, and oh, if it, Leslie did send a follow-up as well that I wanted to share. She said, I did take the money. I had saved up and made a large payment on my school loans. I decided to focus on learning how to hike and backcountry camp around home until my loans are paid off. About 14 months if I last that long working two jobs, she says. I usually take the quote crazy idea and do it, so I decided to do the more traditional one this time and see what that's like. Leslie, I think you made a great choice there and also, we got to remember there's awesome adventures to be had in our backyards. Which is exactly why we did what we did in the first place. Yep, I love that idea. So thanks, Leslie. All right, the next question we have is about Charity Miles. And this was an email. I've listened to several of your podcasts. I'm retired and a full-time RVer with a goal to visit all of the national parks as well. I also blog about my adventures at secondaryroadways.wordpress.com. Writing from Big Bend right now. I'm also an avid cyclist. I wanted to make you aware, if you are not already, of an app called Charity Miles. Log any sort of physical activity on the app, and for every mile logged, companies donate to your chosen charity, of which NPS is one. Not sure the details of how it all works, but every time I ride my bike or hike, I log it. Unfortunately, it only works with iOS devices, so Apple products uh, from the Apple App Store. Still may want to check it out and perhaps mention it on your site. Every little bit helps. Yeah, so this wasn't really a question. It was just a comment, which was great because uh, I had never heard of Charity Miles. Had you? I had not. No, yeah. I just now when I'm reading it because right. <laughs> I did not prep this podcast. <laughs> right. So uh, I thought it was a great reminder of all the, first of all, innovative apps that are out there that can really help you have more interesting adventures, give you inspiration, and in this case, do some real serious good for the world. I'm looking at the Charity Miles app right now on the App Store, and hope maybe some of you are saying, how have you not heard about this? Because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got awesome. 32,000 
reviews um, and ratings, and it's 4.8 stars. So people love it, and they say that to date they've donated 2.5 million for charity. I would definitely encourage everybody to check it out. Um, especially if you're doing something like training for a marathon or you're a triathlete um, or just love to hike on the weekends. It sounds really simple because all you have to do is log your miles through this and a little change goes to the charity you select. So check it out. All right. Question number three, Melissa, she left a voicemail for us. So let's see. For your blog and podcast and resources, my husband and I are also trying to visit all of the national parks. We're currently in Alaska and we'll be visiting Denali and camping at Wonder Lake Campground. Um, I spoke with the park concessioner um, regarding the shuttle buses, and they have told me that there is no way to camp at Wonder Lake and take some kind of shuttle bus to the Allison visitor center but it looked like you guys did that on your trip so i was just wondering how that worked so melissa good question specific to denali like we mentioned uh we love getting all of them especially about the parks Mm -hmm. so this was um something that we didn't really know how the bus system in Denali worked when we got there. And it's very complicated and yeah. it's not very well explained on their website. And so I we totally understand why you'd have to call someone and like understand it. We didn't really truly understand it until we got there. Yeah. And barely made it on like the last bus out that day. I right. think. So first point is if you're visiting Denali, make sure you scour the website as you can and then also recommend calling to truly understand how the bus system works because if you haven't been there the bus is the only way to get deep into the park so you can go maybe three miles or so into the park past the visitor center on your own but to go into the real stuff and to really get any good views of Denali especially, you have to get on a bus. There are a lot of different options, one of them being the one Melissa took and we took as well, which was the camper bus back to Wonder Lake. And that is um, a bus that you can go one day and then pick up the next day and whenever you're done camping and head back out. Basically, once you get there, you'll find out the bus system is a lot more flexible than it might seem online. And if you just ask nicely to the bus driver, they'll let you, you know, take these rides back and forth, especially if you're the on the camper bus. And you don't well, you don't have to ask nicely. It's just how it works. So well, the, if you if but you purchase nicely always helps. If you purchase the shuttle, the camper shuttle ticket, which I believe is thirty five dollars still, um, that gets you all the way to the back. And I believe that I don't remember exactly how it worked, but. What we did is we rode it all the way out to Wonder Lake with all of our stuff, set up camp, and then the next day we caught, we, you, you know, you see, their, you see the schedule, so you know when to be at the stop at a certain time. Um, and you could, you could catch any green shuttle bus because those, are, those were the camper shuttle buses. They weren't narrated. They weren't like official day tours like some of the other buses, which was totally fine, but you could stop at Trailheads. You could stop at the Isleson Visitor Center. Um, it worked perfectly for us because we could just kind of ride it back and forth to where we needed to go for the day. Yep. And it actually worked perfectly for Melissa too because she gave us an update saying we ended up being easily able to get to the Isleson Visitor Center and it turned out that the phone operators handling reservations just had a different understanding of how things worked than the actual concessionaires. So, And she also said so far she has been to 33 uh, national parks. Her husband has been to 30. So nice. good luck to you all on your continued journey. Um, we would love to welcome you to the All 59ers Club, uh, hopefully very soon. So as you said, Melissa and Andrew, happy trails and travels. Okay, our next question comes from Lauren. It was another email. She And she asked about traveling for three months at a time. Hi guys, I know you probably get this all the time, but how did you manage to travel for three months? How much did you have to save and how did you know where to stay or how to get there? 
My husband and I dream of traveling abroad, but just always feel like it's out of our budget. Would love any advice you're willing to share. Lauren, this is a great question because it's one of the biggest reasons we have this um, podcast, why we do our blog, why we keep up our social media, is to help people just make their own adventures and realize that whatever their budget, they can make it work. Um, So I'll use this last trip we took as an example. Lauren asked, you know, how we could afford to take three months off, uh, which was what we did when we traveled for one month in Eastern Europe and two months in Africa this summer. And uh, those travels are an entirely different episode, so I won't get into it, but um, they were an amazing time and it was made possible because we did something a little different than we normally do. We combined two regions um, of of the world, Europe and Africa, and basically we worked our route so we were just going in one direction. We were going north to south. We started in Germany and Poland and then eventually made our way down to South Africa. And we chose, we were very specific when we were choosing these destinations in this route because we had to find something that was reasonable for our budget. We really wanted to go to Scandinavia. We also wanted to add on like Switzerland to our Europe trek, but those places are freaking expensive. Yeah. A lot of our routing, did, or a lot of our um, budget determines our route. So, we're very flexible with where we wanted to go. We had general ideas. But for example, we wanted to go from Frankfurt to Prague to Krakow. But Frankfurt to Krakow, I found a Ryanair flight from Frankfurt to Krakow for like $19 rather than taking two long buses. That would be way more than that. Um, we just flew. So we skipped Prague this time. Um, also, I looked, we knew we wanted to end up in Athens before we flew to Africa. Athens was our last Europe destination. I looked at how you could get to Athens the cheapest, and the cheapest way was an $80 flight from uh, Tirana, Albania. That's the whole reason we went to Albania. We probably wouldn't have gone otherwise. So we look at cheap flights, we look at cheap routes from place to place, and that's another thing that really saves on budget a lot is, is not having our heart set on any one thing when we travel. Um, now, of course, we did have our heart set on some things. So you, you just have to pick your battles, kind of. You have to pick your priorities. Yeah, and overall, I'd say the best way to keep costs low, besides being flexible, is to plan months ahead and do your research. Elizabeth is the queen of this. Um, I could not survive uh, traveling without her uh, because she is looking for the best Airbnbs. She scours the web for great deals on everything and also reads other blogs for tips on how they got transportation, what sites were worth it, how to save money at specific destinations. Um, and Yeah, my, my little small Airbnb advice is here's how, here's how I plan uh, accommodations for a city. I look at Hostel World first and I see how much about it costs to get a cheap like a bed at a hostel. In Europe, it's sometimes like 20 or 30 bucks for a bed. Um, In other places, it's much cheaper. And then I multiply that by two, and then I try to find an Airbnb that's cheaper than two beds. And I've almost always been able to find one. Plus then we get to sleep in the same room, which (laughs) which is a bonus. Also, the last thing I would add is, um, keep your general cost of living expenses low. Uh, both leading up to the trip, of course, but then uh, once you start, that's important as well. So once you start not just having your uh, where you travel expenses low, but remember that you're pay- you might be paying for stuff back home as well. So try to get all of those, uh, cancel all of those subscriptions. If you're not going to be using your Netflix, cancel that. If you're not going to be using your car, put your car insurance on, I think it's like vacation mode or something. Storage. Storage. Storage, storage mode. Is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a third or a fourth of the price for that type of insurance. Um, or you could just cancel it all together. They'll always take you back. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cancel your cable <laughs> internet, and internet, of course. They'll take you back in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we always try to do is make sure we're not paying anything at home. Um, we try to find places to store stuff with our parents or friends. And luckily, we have super uh, generous uh, ones of both of those. And yeah, that's, that's just a few pieces of our advice. Uh, hopefully, that helps. And also, this is going to be a big topic throughout. Um, the season, but if you remember back to our first episode of this season, we talked about our top five budget travel tips. So make sure to check that one out. Episode number 56, I think. So had some really good tips in addition to what we just mentioned. Okay. Our next voicemail is from Jen and she's asking about American Samoa. Hello. I am trying to plan a visit to American Samoan Island to visit the National Park. I'm looking at um, your blog and where you stayed. Is there any chance you can send me the name of the family that you stayed with? All right, thanks, Jen. Yeah, we get a lot of questions specifically about this because American Samoa is very hard to visit. It's not, it's a huge barrier to, to uh, completing the 59 National Parks. Yeah, and to answer her specific question, we stayed with the Sayuli family in, is it Vatia? Vatia. Vatia Village. Uh, or Vatia. Yeah, I, I always pronounced it wrong when we were there. <laughs> V-A-T-I-A. Um, and that's in the heart of the National Park, which is why we chose that village specifically. We could walk to a lot of the trailheads. Um, unfortunately, the Sayulis are no longer taking, uh, from what we've heard, they're no longer accept, uh acting as hosts. They're no longer accepting guests. Hope it wasn't something we did. So I think according to the website, you can still request someone in Vatia specifically. Um, But we loved that experience so much that you could probably have a good experience with a number of families on the island. Um, We just having that cultural experience, eating the, the local food, dancing, they will make you dance. That's, that is not a myth. Participating in some of their, uh, you know, weekend traditions, going to church with them, doing uh, some fishing and things like that. It was going just out behind the so, house to cut down some mangoes in yeah, their little slice of so a memorable. farm. And you could do that anywhere. And you can always, you know, get a lift somewhere to a, to the national parks to access the national park at some point on the island. Yeah. There is an intermittent, intermittent bus system uh, that you can catch if you're lucky. We did and that a couple amazing. times. And it's amazing. It's like a disco <laughs> bus. Yeah, they really go all out decorating their buses. So each one seems to have a whole different theme. And uh, w- one of our favorites was like decked all out in pink uh, fuzz and streamers and had this disco music pumping. So mm-hmm. everybody was loving that on the bus. And uh, yeah, American Samoa was super special. You know, it's, it's, it might be an American territory, but it's, it's obviously, it's a different country. It's a different world. It's, it's totally different than anything you've experienced here. Um, so going through the hurdles of contacting your host and trying to talk to them on the phone, it was hard, but it was worth it. Um, it all worked out perfectly. Someone picked us up from the airport. Um, it costs around fifty dollars a night, and I don't know. I think that's kind of set just by the national park, but I, it might be set by the family. Yeah. I'm not sure how it works. Family well, there to was family. definitely we kind of did some negotiating mm-hmm. uh, and got to that price because we were actually with two other travelers at the time, uh, so there were four of us there, and so it it might not be. I don't want to promise that rate. So, but I would say fifty to a hundred uh, per night. Is and for both, you, expect, you know, for a couple, expect. not for not per person. Yeah, which included meals and all the experiences and picking us up from the airport and things like that. Yeah, um, and so you yeah. can't camp, so it's either that or a hotel, and this is definitely the more fun option. Mm-hmm. All right, so next we got a few perspectives coming our way when we aired our Gateway Arch National Park episode. That was the last episode before we took off on our trip so I believe it's like episode 55 or something back in um, June. Quick background, Gateway Arch National Park was named the 60th National Park 
in, and it's in St. Louis here, which is where we live and where we're <laughs> sitting as we record this. So highly controversial yeah. as it should be. Um, lots of different opinions out there. Um, but we because it's basically an urban park. It's mm-hmm. it's a park that surrounds this monument of the arch, which was dedicated for Thomas Jefferson. And the pod episode goes into a whole lot of history about it and why it's controversial. But basically, it doesn't look like any other national park out there. We'll just say that mm-hmm. because it's in the middle of a city. There's not that much as far as natural resources. I see. And in the in the national park realm on social media and, and whatnot, people are very opinionated about it. So here is a comment from David. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with you with this. I'm not real. I'm not really happy about the um, new Gateway Arch National Park. It really shouldn't be a national park. What it needs to be is just needs to be that monument. It's too small for a national park. It doesn't preserve any <clears throat> of the unnatural resources, and changing it to Gateway Arch for the name just ruins um, the whole point of the park. You're honoring, you're honoring the arch. You're not honoring Jefferson, who made this whole expansion happen. And we have a, an email from Terrence that has a kind of, not really a different perspective, but just a little twist on it. He says, I'm a podcast listener and national park lover, and I really uh, like the energy that you and Elizabeth bring to both hobbies. Uh, I just wanted to comment briefly on uh, the Gateway Arch episode Thank you for addressing the controversy, but you were too diplomatic, he says. <laughs> um, the more recent uh, a big N, big P national park designation was granted, the more cynical its origins are. Of course, politics and money come into it. As you said, it's a feather in the cap for politicians who are looking to get reelected and a boon for na- neighboring tourism. Uh, Yes, people already visit St. Louis and the Arch, but there are swaths of people uh, who are going to visit it just because it's a national park, uh, both foreign and domestic. Um, So this is a swindle. Whether or not it will actually happen, the desired goal was to bring more visitors and more money to the area, in my opinion, cheapening the designation. Many places can be national parks, uh, lowercase n, lowercase p, but the national park designation needs to be reserved. Thanks for reading my rant, he says. <laughs> I like that spirit uh, from Terrence. I think there's a lot of people who feel the same way. Yep, for sure. There's a lot of truth to the, to the um, emotion and the uh, passion that we hear from people. Did you want to comment about any of them? No, or I just th- leave it out there. Uh, yeah, I think they made uh, their points well, mm-hmm. and I think all my opinions are on that that episode. For so sure. no need to go back through it. Um, what we do need to do is get to our talk about Alaska. Yeah, our Woo. seventh question here. This is kind of like American Samoa. Probably the most uh, questions we get as a category come about. Alaska parks because they're so difficult to access. There's so many logistical questions with it. They're so expensive. So uh, that's actually why we made a whole ebook about visiting the Alaska National Parks. So if you are ever going to visit some, uh, one of the eight or any parks in Alaska, switchbackkids.com/books. Yep, recommend that. Woo. Um, it's Ooh. very cheap. Let's start with Gary's voicemail. As a family, we'd like to see all eight national parks in Alaska, but how is that possible, and how much would it cost? How do you plan something like that? Uh, We'd love to do that in 2019, maybe 2020. It depends on how much it's going to cost. I'd like to know that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Gary. And I'm going to tag on Randy's question here because it's very similar. He said, hey guys, so glad I came across your podcast. I really started getting after the parks last October. I'm at 24, all right. Uh, I'm sure I will flood you with some other questions in the future, please do, but Mm -hmm. I'm doing North Dakota, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas all together uh, next summer. 
Now I'm contemplating driving to Alaska and into Denali in 2020. Maybe you'll see Gary. Um, <laughs> I lived in Juneau 20 years ago. For a solo traveler, how much would something like this cost me? I also plan on getting your book uh, this week, which should help. I try to hike with an inflatable paddleboard to the remote areas. Uh, check out my Instagram if you're bored or interested. NorCal underscore SUPS, as in North California stand-up paddleboarding. Um, I'm hoping 2000 for fuel in a Honda Civic and car camping along the way, hoping for under 2000 for miscellaneous, um, so tentatively 4K. So in response to both of those questions, I would start by saying that when we were traveling to all the parks over the course of the year, we had a budget of, we were trying to shoot for 20,000, we had some padding in there, so we ended up um, consciously overspending for, to about 24, 23, 24,000. Specifically for, in Alaska was yeah, eight. It, Yes, thank you. Around eight thousand, which was more than about, was it about two thousand more than we originally budgeted for? It was significant, but we made you know we we made some some decisions um, in the moment where we wanted to do certain tours and certain things that we felt like we could only do there once, yeah. and we were there, and we were almost done with our trip anyway, going back to work. So so there's less uncertainty. Like, yeah, in our we budget. felt like it was worth it, and mm -hmm. don't regret it one bit. Um, and we also made some decisions to do uh, to not do certain things that would have saved us money that we were uncomfortable with, like uh, flying into a park instead of parking on the side of the road and hiking into the side of it. It's talking about gateway gates of the Arctic, uh, which you could. There are multiple options to get there. Definitely. So there are some things we could have saved money on. We're not always the best at at um, being dirt cheap, but. Overall, I mean, there are tons of there's tons of advice, tons of um, ways to save money that we could we could give. Um, your biggest cost, though, that you want to look at, you know, you don't want to look at all the little details, but transportation is by far the biggest cost because only three of the eight national parks have roads. Four, if you count Gates of the Arctic, but you also have to bush bushwhack into the park a few miles. Um, you have to bush plane to a lot of places, take regular flights if you can. Um, gas will be a big cost uh, just for your car because gas is way more expensive in Alaska anyway. And then food is a huge cost too that you want to factor in. Yeah, and uh, unlike a lot of places, your lodging, as long as you're camping, won't be that expensive because if you're driving up there, you can just camp on the side of the road and really nobody bothers you in our experience. Um, and most of the campgrounds within the national parks are free. Yes, or- Even the developed campgrounds in the national parks are mm -hmm. free, or, or very, very small cost. So, so accommodations, as long as you're camping, will not really be a problem. And you could also check out couchsurfing.com, things like that, if you're really on a budget and maybe there are some free beds you can crash at. Um, also, uh, maybe reach out to those, uh, anybody you've ever heard who lives in Alaska, <laughs> friend or family, because I'm sure they don't get too many visitors. Uh, that's what we did for a few nights in a bed, and it was great. Um, thank you, Becky. And for, for gas, too, it, it is going to be a big expense but really you think about oh man driving up to uh, Alaska is gonna kill my budget um, but I worked it out for for Randy's Honda Civic and basically if you get 30 miles per gallon at three dollars per gallon because it's a little more expensive up there for a round trip Sacramento to Fairbanks kind of two random cities uh, it's five hundred ninety dollars so that's not too bad. So also, uh, rule of thumb for groceries, a very rough rule of thumb, it, because it's such remote areas, I would recommend, I would budget at least one and a half times your grocery bill in those remote areas. What and you anytime you're in Anchorage or Juneau, buy as many groceries as you can. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would recommend. So that when you fly to 
Katmai and you only have a lodge to buy food from, you can whip out your backpacker meal that you bought in Anchorage and for much cheaper. <laughs> or when chips are $20 in Kotzebue, you don't have to buy those $20 chips. You have packed your own chips. Good job for planning ahead. <laughs> so I would say really in Alaska, you could, we did the all eight national parks, expensive bush planes included for about 8,000. If you're doing less than that, if you're just looking to spend a couple months in Alaska and don't really care where, because you can get to some beautiful places by road, um, I would say, Randy, your 4,000 is definitely not out of the question, um, but it's, it just depends so much. So hopefully those rules of thumb can help a bit. The next quick, uh, I think this is a Facebook message at Switchback Kids Facebook page, is from Terry. Uh, he just says, I don't know if you're doing state parks now, but Utah has two fantastic ones we just went to that I wanted to recommend. Kodachrome and Goblin Valley, both near Capitol Reef and Zion slash Bryce. So, yeah, Is Terry. Is this where you get mad at me again for running out of gas and not being able to go to Goblin Valley? <laughs> no, I've gotten over it. I am, I've matured. Um, we had to turn around. We were close, and then we had to turn around and go get gas because we didn't fill up first yeah rookie mistake i can't remember why or how i like pinned all the blame on you for that Um, i'm sure it was warm i mean to be fair i think i was driving and i figured we had enough gas yeah i'm sure it was totally my fault stuff is spread out in that part of the country a little bit Um, so if you go to the state parks in utah get gas first yeah and we'll have to hit goblin valley next time because i've heard it's awesome I haven't heard of Kodachrome, but that's now on our list too. Okay, the next is a comment, right? Yes. A long, a long comment from Allison. And but, this was an email? Yeah, it was an email. And we just really liked um, her story. And we're also very flattered by her kind words. Um, so we wanted to basically just share her story. Yeah. So Allison says, I discovered you guys after you'd left for your summer abroad, so I didn't get a chance before you left to say thank you for just how much you helped me in my summer trip. And now I'm glad because with my trip over, I really know just how valuable your advice, podcast episodes, and websites are. I left my job of 15 years in May to focus on my family and returning to school. I had decided back in January to leave, and in that January to May span, I started thinking this summer I'd take my daughter, Guinevere, age 8, to Taos, New Mexico, where I spent a lot of time as a kid. It finally dawned on me that I won't be working and she won't be in school and will have all the time in the world. That Taos trip plan morphed into an Airbnb road trip plan. And then, when I realized we won't have all the money in the world, (laughs) into a camping road trip plan. And then I realized we haven't really been able to... We haven't been to and like any of our national parks we live in florida where our national parks are kind of swamps and we can't wait to visit them now when it's cooler but i sorry i'm having difficulties <laughs> but it was a language arts teacher <laughs> it was just never high on the priori- priority list you know when i started doing research i found your podcast for many weeks and throughout the trip to make sure i recapped and got everything i listened to you guys cover the, all the parks i planned to go to and a few i didn't because i was just enjoying your journey I jotted down notes in planning ahead, about planning ahead. Make sure to book camping at XYZ in advance or you'll be sleeping in a Walmart parking lot. Do not stay at Campground A, for example, and what to definitely see and do. I'm happily, happy to report we only had one Walmart night, really blew it on planning for great sand dunes. <laughs> I strayed from the agenda and oops. <laughs> I owe you guys big time for a lot of things. For one, I had this insane idea that I'd just wing it for a large part. Uh, we plotted the camping equipment out well because a mother young mother young daughter camping trip could turn into a huge disaster. I think I would have spent a lot of nights miserable if I hadn't been listening to people who actually did this. Tell me that winging it isn't the best approach. <laughs> also, the reminders to be flexible probably kept me from a lot of disappointment when, because it's summer and holy cow, things were booked or full. And you taught me to have tenacity about things that are full. We did manage a few experiences that opened up at the last minute. And Elizabeth, I am eternally grateful for two additional things. Reminders that we needed to learn to be okay with a life without showers. (laughs) I made sure to stock up on dry shampoo and baby wipes. 
and for recommending Cedar Breaks Campground, which came at a very hot and sticky and I would give you literally anything in this vehicle for a shower right now point of our trip, and it was gorgeous there. But more importantly than any of that, I learned from you guys a lot of must-see things that my guidebooks didn't necessarily emphasize to me. We visited 18 national parks, three national monuments, and a handful of state parks. We drove from Florida as far northwest as the Montana portion of Yellowstone and back east to North Carolina before returning home. We spent six weeks and two days out there. We didn't get to spend as many days in each park as I might have liked, but we learned which ones we definitely need to revisit, and we made the most of our time at each because we had great advice. My daughter racked up 13 Junior Ranger badges. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it became this insane mission about a third of the way through. I have to note that her two absolute favorite things about the trip were excursions we wouldn't have done, we would never have even known about if it weren't for your podcast. Nothing I read about Big Bend really talked much about Boquillas, but riding those donkeys into Mexico is definitely one of the things she has mentioned again and again as one of her favorite experiences. And if you ask her what her favorite thing all summer long was, she'll tell you without hesitation that it was the fiery furnace at Arches. We did the ranger program version and it was a great time. Our entire trip was probably at least 60% experiences that started with me saying, well, Elizabeth and Cole recommended. <laughs> My husband who stayed home from work did get to join us for about nine days of the trip and said it's the most amazing vacation we've ever had and we've been blessed with some pretty amazing travel opportunities. I honestly credit with you, you guys with that, and I'll never know how to thank you for putting the podcast out there and sharing so much of our trip, of your trip and yourselves. And we're glad that you're back. Guinevere asked me the other day if we could listen to the park people. We haven't heard them in a while, and when I told her there weren't any new ones to listen to, she declared that she was that, that totally fine. Uh, we could just start the series over. Welcome home and thank you, Allison and Guinevere. <laughs> First of all, a round of applause for Elizabeth, uh, orator extraordinaire. Um, Out of breath. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> um, but really, thank you, Allison. That was so nice of you to share your whole summer trip. We're really glad we could play, you know, even a small part in that. Um, and you kind of pumped up our heads here. Yeah, uh, it's so nice to just have a little small reminder that uh, people are listening and and kind of taking value in what we're saying it it makes us feel really good it makes us feel really warm and cozy inside <laughs> so so are you fishing here for yes. other compliments like that oh, absolutely <laughs> no I, the, the reason i loved her whole story and we included all of it was just because it kind of made me feel like i was there and took me through like the highs and the challenges and the um, just important reminders, being flexible, you know, having tenacity when things are full. And yeah, Allison, it sounds like you gave your daughter the trip of a lifetime. I know she'll never forget it. That is so special that you got to do that with her and had your husband join you for that bit. Um, so congratulations to you on doing that because that is huge. All right, second to last question here. We have a tr uh, voicemail from Jess, and this is actually talking about our most recent uh, trip uh, in Africa and choosing a tour operator there. Hello, Switchbacks. This is Jess. I'm a big fan of your podcast. It got me through a couple long solo hikes in the White Mountains of New Hampshire this summer, which is something you can add to your to be traveled list. Uh, we'd love to host you. Um, I'm actually looking at doing an overland trip through Africa myself and was wondering if you might be able to get your friend to guest podcast, talk about uh, what they liked, what they didn't like, how they chose their company. There are so many options. I'm a little overwhelmed. Uh, very excited about your future travels and um, can't wait to hear more. Thanks. Okay, so Africa, we have a lot of opinions. Um, we we don't know too much about the different companies. We actually didn't look or shop around very much because we had a friend, like she mentioned, who um, who rec highly recommend recommended this exact same tour through Absolute Africa. That's the Overland Tour Company. Um, it's one of the cheaper companies, 
But I we think had people have told us it's the, the cheapest. cheapest. Yeah. Um, but we had an awesome experience with them. Yeah, it definitely didn't seem like budget or low quality by any means. There was definitely things you had to do. You could tell where they were saving money. Yeah, it's um, a participatory trip. So you are cooking with uh, with with your with everybody on the tour. Yeah, you're, you're in pl- charge of cooking and doing dishes and putting up your own tent and um, clean cleaning up the, the truck and uh, planning the meals and planning the shopping meals for and the grocery meals. shopping yeah. and and um, it's all it's all built in the cost of the food is is included in your in your uh, price your base price um, but that was to me it was pretty fun and it, it really was yeah. a cool bonding experience with the other with the other uh, tour members yeah and another thing so that level of participation we'll call it, uh, the level of DIY of your tour, making it higher will decrease the cost. Also, another thing that can decrease the cost is how much your trip has included or your tour operator has included. Um, I think our company, Absolute Africa, was one that didn't include as much as others. So it was basically there to transport you all the way from uh, Nairobi, Kenya to uh, Cape Town, South Africa, and there were a number of safaris, probably like a dozen safari experiences along the way, but most were not included. Uh, yeah, well, is that what you're saying? I guess not all of the. There's like a, a list of a dozen included things. Most, not all of them are safaris. Some of them are entrances to whatnot, yeah, uh, like national parks. But there are certain. You could go on an additional safari. Uh, Jeep drive or hippo cruise for an additional 30 bucks or you know your um, whitewater rafting in the Zambezi River at Victoria Falls is extra or your bike ride through Hell's Canyon National Park is extra so there's which makes budgeting really really difficult yeah ahead of time because you you see this base price and it's pretty low I think ours was around 2500 or or three thousand dollars for the actual base price of the transportation and the food and the camping, yeah. um, and then those like dozen like he said those dozen things that are covered, which is all very outlined on the website. Yeah, that's a really good thing. Is all of these companies have it super specific? Yeah, you on don't the have website. to call around. You don't have to add, you know submit emails and like go back and forth. You can really do a lot of budgeting right there. I would say make sure make a list of the things like. If you want to go to the Serengeti, price that out. If you want to go to Masai Mara, price that out. So so determine kind of your own base price with the base price of the company plus those excursions you know you want to go to um, and then compare it that way. We, we ran into a ton of other Overland trucks because they all stop at the same campgrounds. Um, and and so that's, that's one thing that's interesting. Like, for example, Intrepid, Intrepid, they're tour is much more expensive they don't have to cook i think they don't have to put up their own tents which was like not a big deal at all um but we were always at almost always at the same exact campgrounds so if that's what you care about if you care about the um the locations you're going to be the the types of national parks you're going to be visiting um that kind of thing they're almost all the same yeah almost even the cheapest one like ours was one of the cheaper ones and we met some really amazing people and it wasn't it's not like it's it's not like it's so cheap that it's a bunch of dirt bags we really enjoyed the people that were there um with us and it's not like they were they were a bunch of people kind of our age you know right around and 30 similarly passionate plus about or minus traveling, 10 years yeah. as you heard on the podcast last last month that it's an investment. It's a huge investment. So we knew we were around people who really cared about some of the same things we did, um, yeah. which was which was really refreshing and had a lot of awesome conversations and it made the trip just that much better. So definitely recommend the Overland Tour. Um, definitely recommend the budget-friendly one that we did. I know not all groups of people are the same, so I think we got really lucky with our group of people. Um, but that also fluctuates. So know that you won't necessarily be with these same people the whole time because depending on your tour, people come and go. Uh, people might just do a portion of the, the trip. And I think most Overland companies are similar in that way. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say about it is 
sorry, we did not record a podcast episode with why our friends on the trip um, chose that specific tour operator, Absolute Africa. But I will say we talked with them a number of times about, you know, why do you end up picking this one? And um, people all have different reasons. A lot of people mentioned that it was the cheapest one. A lot of people mentioned that they liked the route a lot. One of the person's qualifications was that it went through Namibia and they had a very specific window when they were on summer break from uh, being a teacher. And this one was the only one that fit perfectly. Uh, so, and other people really like the flexibility of being able to only spend on the add-ons you want. Uh, so yeah, it's a bunch of different reasons. Um, do your research and, but don't try not to get overwhelmed with the process because just know that they all go to the same places. I think that's like one of the, I mean, sometimes it's just whatever dates work out best for you, whatever start and end dates Mm -hmm. work out best. Yeah. So last question is from Lori, and she sent us a Facebook message, a little different topic. This is probably, <laughs> do you think this is the one of the most frequent topics? I, of questions? W- of yeah, questions it definitely get, is. And the most visited blog post that we have, which is so annoying. <laughs> it's not annoying. She, if you've asked a question about this before to us, it's not annoying, <laughs> we promise. It's just funny. I love reliving it. Uh, no, so Lori says, hi, Cole. I just came across your blog while searching Price is Right. Loved your experience on the Price is Right game show and would enjoy any additional thoughts or tips as we currently are looking to have our own experience on the Price is Right. So this is just a fun one to end with. Um, For context, Elizabeth and I went through Los Angeles on our 59 National Parks year, and the only thing we wanted to do was go to a taping of The Price is Right, which we did, and beforehand we made sure to do our homework of how to get on the show. So we did, and I won a trip to Patagonia. Thank you very much. And I got to tag along. (laughs) Because I, w- I gave him the right answer, guys, from the audience. <laughs> you, you, you won a trip to Patagonia, or right I, I helped you win a trip to Patagonia. It was a collaborative effort. <laughs> um, so I almost helped you win two cars, but you didn't listen to me. <laughs> That's another story. That is another story. I do not want to relive that part. Um, basically, we wrote a, I wrote a blog post sharing all my experience of that whole day in detail and the tips uh, if you're interested in going and getting on the show. Um, but the three main tips I would share with Lori are, number one, be as enthusiastic and out of your mind excited as possible. Um, I'm usually a pretty measured person, so that was not the most natural thing for me, <laughs> but I knew I had to do it. Uh, so I turned on the charm and um, it definitely feels a little forced at times and over the top, but it really helps you get noticed. Number two, have a catchy story for you and why you're at The Price is Right and play it up. Um, so the director and the director's assistant give you like 15 seconds as they're walking down the line of, of the audience to, and ask you this question, where are you from? What do you do? Uh, and we were, they, he said, like, where do you live or something? And we said, we live nowhere. We're homeless. We're homeless. Like, we really played that up that we were just vagabonds traveling around and not, and this was like the one thing we wanted to do on our trip. And um, you have, you know, you it's so fast, but it, it you, you can really see that they're kind of, paying attention and play into that. Yeah, they're fishing for stories and and interesting people. And the third tip I would give is get to know and have fun with the people you're in line with. Um, Because number one, it makes your wait way more enjoyable because you're with these people for for a long time. Yeah, it's a long process before you even get into the taping. And then I also think the energy between you as a group, if you're having fun with people, is noticeable. And I think the bond among us that we just kind of formed having fun waiting uh, helped is what helped get five out of the eight of us in our group onto contestants row. And if you don't know the prizes right very well, there's only, um, I guess, 10 people who get called down 
no, less nine people who get called to contestants row, and we had five of them in our group of eight out of 300. So, yeah, that was just crazy odds. Um, also recommend custom T-shirts, preferably not white. Uh, you, you always get good screen time with those. So good luck with your Price is Right quest. Um, it's a ton of fun no matter what. And I think with that, we have exhausted our question bank, and we have also exhausted this podcast episode. I think so. So thank you guys so much for checking us out today. It's always fun to hear from you. So please reach out. Send, find us some way. You'll find us. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, on our blog at switchbackkids.com, on our – send us an email at switchbackkids at gmail.com. There's a million ways to get in touch with us. Leave us a voicemail through our website um, on the, the podcast show notes if you go to switchbackkids.com slash podcast. And we'd always love the feedback in the form of an iTunes or Stitcher rating, too. Uh, So, yeah, bring it on. Um, Share it with your friends if you enjoy the podcast. And thanks for all of those who we used your emails and voicemails. You made it super fun. Remember, you can always get more national parks and international travel videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. out.